How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Goose again. Fires the three. And that might do it. Al Horford with the rebound. Throws it up in the air. And the Boston Celtics will go to the NBA Finals. So that was the moment this morning in Miami or this afternoon where the Boston Celtics got their way through to the NBA Finals for the first time in 12 years. They lost 12 years ago to the Lakers uh, and they are back looking for their 18th title. Uh, and they had to do it the hard way after coughing up a lead in Game 6 where Heat able to level it up. Uh, they went back to Miami for Game 7. With thirteen, with three minutes to play, they had a 13-point lead, seven-point lead with a minute to play, and then with 17 seconds to play, they've got a two-point lead, ball in the hands of Jimmy Butler, who missed the three, uh, fouled to Marcus Smart. They hang on, a four-point lead. Um, when thinking about who to get on to have a chat about this um, momentous occasion, they go on to meet the Golden State Warriors now, who are back in the finals for the first time since losing to the Raptors in 2019. I was very excited uh, to know that we were going to be getting uh, Sam Vecini, who is a senior NBA writer for The Athletic. His podcast, The Game Theory Podcast, one of the most listened to NBA podcasts in the world. He is based right here in Melbourne too, which is a particular uh, joy to me because it means that he's on the same time schedule as us. So it is a privilege to have this man with us. Sam, hello to you. Hey, what's going on, Sam? How's it going? Uh, It's going very well. So I'm watching this unfold today and I'm thinking, look, I thought that the Celtics would, would probably get this done in five. Okay, so we go to six. Okay, so we're going to seven. Okay, so they're 13 points up, three minutes to play, being so assured with the way that they'd um, executed their game plan against Miami. And then 11-0 run from Miami, and it's not Jimmy Butler who's doing all the damage. Uh, You were tweeting throughout this game, but it is Jimmy Butler with the ball in his hands with 17 seconds left. He pulls the trigger on a fast break three with just Al Horford ahead of him. It would have put them in front by a point. 17 seconds to play. He went for the hero shot and missed. They hold on to win. What did you make of it all? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, first and foremost, just what an incredible series. Yeah. What it comes down to for me, I mean, these two teams, they're so tough. I mean, the thing that both Miami and Boston do is they just limit mismatches uh, so, so well uh, with how versatile both teams are, on, particularly on the defensive end, but also on the offensive end. They have great shot makers, you know, Jimmy Butler for Miami and uh, obviously Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown for Boston. Ultimately, I think it just came down to the fact that, you know, Miami missing Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry not necessarily being fully healthy. It just kind of felt like, you know, Miami just kind of ran out of juice offensively. They didn't quite have enough to be able to get over the finish line. Uh, Just not enough shot creation. You know, you can count on Jimmy Butler for – you know, everything in the world, but if he's the only one you're counting on and you're in the Eastern Conference Finals, you're playing another absolutely phenomenal team, arguably the best team in the NBA since the calendar turned to 2022, I think it's just really, really hard to be so reliant on one guy, as good as Jimmy Butler was, particularly in those last few games. Yeah, I mean, 47 points in Game 6, he was the difference, and he still had over 30 in this Game 7. He had uh, 35. Adebayor gets the 25. But my question was was always with the Heat, Sam. 
Who is your out-and-out number two? Who is your rock-up, night-in, night-out, game-in, game-out that you can set your watch to as the number two? We know that Jimmy Butler's the number one. Was it going to be Kyle Lowry? Well, they only got 15 points from him. Is it Victor Oladipo who's starting to get his way back into that all-star form that he was in a few years ago before injuries turned it around? He only had the nine points and one of seven for three. That was always the concern for me about who was going to be the number two to stand up in each game to get them into an NBA finals and ultimately i think that what their hope is is that it'll be bam out who's still very young i mean he's in the same draft as jason tatum right mm. uh, i believe that he's still only 24 years old his thing is that he can create uh, off the bounce especially for a guy who's playing center he can really pass uh, can get to the basket can beat his man to the basket with his speed he's so athletic he just hasn't developed that outside shot yet and uh, you know as you know it's just it's so hard to create efficient shots mm. in the NBA playoffs. You really have to be able to make the tough ones. You really have to be able to make contested shots. The thing that Bam Adebayo needs uh, as much as anything is just the ability to raise up and knock down like a 17-footer. He needs to be able to do it consistently. You know, Kyle Lowry, uh, I think that they were hoping that it would be Kyle Lowry whenever they signed him this offseason, but Ultimately, he just had the injury, and he just felt like he couldn't move out there. Mm. Like There were times early in this series where I thought Miami was even a little bit better off without him. That, that changed by the end of the series, luckily, but uh, it's, it's just Miami is going to need either Bam Adebayo to develop the ability to consistently knock down jumpers, or they're going to need to go out probably and acquire someone else this offseason. Now, they, they have some pieces to be able to do that. They have some co- contracts to be able to do that, but uh, it is obviously uh, going to be a little bit complicated for them, uh, given how close they are already in the uh, desire to bring back the team that got you here. Yeah, absolutely. And and when they look back at the numbers of the box score, I think what's going to stand out is that three-point shooting. I mean, Kyle Lowry hit a big three late in the game, but he was one of six. You know, Struess, who also hit a big three, he's was two of seven. I mentioned Oladipo, one of seven. You know, um, one of four for Butler as well, who, who has, isn't a known three-point shooter. Uh, but they really struggled uh, from the land of plenty and, and got anything but plenty. So there's a lot that they can work on, and I'm sure they'll be up around the pointy end next season. From a, a, a Boston point of view, Sam, we're speaking to uh, Sam Vecini, who's a senior NBA writer at The Athletic, and check out his podcast, The Game Theory podcast you'll be better off for it if you're uh, a basketball fan from a Boston point of view what what's their major strength that they bring to the table we'll talk about Golden State uh, in a minute but what's the strength of the Celtics for you oh it's got to be defense And, and more than anything I think it is that they can match up defensively with anybody uh, they have the ability to go big with Al Horford and Robert Williams out there, right? Uh, those two can play together at times. Robert Williams, you know, again, didn't look totally at full health tonight, but he gave them some okay minutes when he was out there. They can go super small with Grant Williams at the five if they want to with, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at the three and the two with Derek White and Marcus Smart uh, in the backcourt. And that's a really switchable uh, mobile lineup where – any one of those guys can guard any one of the other guys on the opposition. So it's just they have so many different ways to match up with you defensively, I think. 
that's uh, why they're. Uh, it's why I really liked them coming into the playoffs. It's why I liked them even back in February when they were the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference and you know had just acquired Derek White. They decided to go for it a little bit. Uh, moving a couple of first-round picks for him. I thought it was a really smart move for them to do that uh, because they just have the kind of team that is successful in the playoffs. The playoffs are all about being able to create mismatches offensively for your best player and minimize mismatches defensively. Uh, on the other end of the court. And I just think that uh, Boston does that as well as any team in the NBA. And what about for the Golden State Warriors? I mean, it sounds like a simple question. What are their major strengths? We know Steph Curry. He's a generational player. He will be, um, when history looks back, considered maybe one of the top five most influential players um, in the game's history for what he has done, making that, that quantum leap in the way the game is played now and the emphasis on the three ball. But what to you are the strengths of the Golden State Warriors this year? Yeah, you know, uh, you have to point to the skill and the shooting first and foremost, right? Uh, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole has really emerged over yeah, the course of this yep. season. He's a critical, critical piece for them. But you know what? Like, I also want to bring up, this has been a really tough physical team in the playoffs. You know, both Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins, uh, as of yesterday at least, I don't know if Today's results have changed this, but uh, Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins actually have the most offensive rebounds in total uh, among any players in this NBA playoffs. They've done really, really well just being mm. physical uh, on the glass and creating second chance opportunities. Uh, they're really good defensively, just led by Draymond Green. You can always trust they're going to be in the right position. They always communicate out there. They're just a really cohesive team mm. that I think has gone a little bit underrated just in terms of being physical, being willing to muck it up if they have to, but then still also being able to rely on that skill level that they have uh, with Stephen Curry, with Clay Thompson, with Jordan Poole, and with Draymond Green, who uh, is a terrific perimeter passer and playmaker out in transition as well. Yeah, both these teams there's an old saying from Lee Matthews and I know you know your Aussie rules footy so I know you know who Lee Matthews is um, <laughs> three time premiership winning coach with Brisbane, he coached a premiership at Collingwood he used to say to the Lions players who had a star started team, know your role accept your role, play your role. Both these teams do this uh, better than anybody. They understand who they are and what they are to the team, and the ego doesn't get in the way for either of them. So game one, Thursday, US time, June 2nd. It will be Friday morning, our time, we expect. Before I get on to a couple of other things with you, Sam, uh, who wins for you? I think the Warriors are going to win this series. I'm just a little bit worried about Boston being able to keep up offensively. Uh, you know, Jason Tatum is an incredible player, but they haven't really gotten the best out of Jalen Brown. Uh, I think that they've struggled throughout the season in general, uh, but particularly in the playoffs to generate efficient ball movement and to generate uh, shots. And we saw that late in the game uh, in game seven here against Miami, but it's been a problem late in games for them throughout the playoffs. You know, they've tried to go to this time wasting, you know, let's just, kind of bring the ball up, get it down to five or six seconds left on the shot clock late in games and chuck up a three-pointer or chuck up a contested shot. It just hasn't worked, uh, unfortunately. And I think that Golden State, just given what we've seen from them in terms of their ability to execute, I think they're going to out-execute them late in games. And in games that are going to be as tight as these ones are, I do think I trust Golden State just a little mm. bit more. 
Hey, uh, for Aussie fans that are going to be having a look at the NBA draft, which isn't too far away, Sam, I know this is an area of expertise uh, that you cover as well. Um, give us some names that you think from an Australian point of view, whether it be via the NBL or someone like a Dyson Daniels, who's from my hometown, Bendigo, who's been playing with the Ignite in the G League this year. Uh, some Aussies that we could look to be taken uh, in the draft and how high? Yeah, I think Dyson Daniels is the one, right? Like, he's absolutely the guy to pay attention to. Mm. Uh, I have a top eight grade on him uh, in this upcoming draft. I I would absolutely take him somewhere in those top eight picks. I would be stunned if he got outside of the top 12. So he's going to go somewhere in that lottery range. And it's because, in my opinion, he's the best perimeter defender uh, among all of the guards in this upcoming class. He's grown since the last time. Uh, Australians got a chance to see him. He's now six seven and a half. He has like a six eleven wingspan. He can still play some point. Uh, ultimately, he needs to improve that jump shot. Uh, his form isn't bad. He just hasn't really knocked down shots consistently at any level, unfortunately. But it, you know what? Whenever you have the mix of very high level basketball IQ, very high level processing speed, as well as passing ability, the ability to be reliable in terms of making decisions and that elite-level defensive ability to fall back on, you're going to go high in the draft because you just are going to be able to step on the court, I think, from day one and be an impact player. I love it. Uh, Any other names you think um, might uh, be taken from an Australian point of view? Yeah, you know, Luke Travers is an interesting one. He's out with the Perth Wildcats this year. Uh, has some real defensive tools, in my opinion. He's six foot eight. He's active on that end. He plays with... Uh, a real uh, verve, like a real uh, a real energy on that end that is uh, good to see. He's going to have to shoot it at some point. And I think he's absolutely unequivocally a project, but uh, he has a chance to do that at some point is mm. maybe the way to put it. Maybe, you know, I think he's 20 years old. Maybe he can get there by the time he's like 23, 24. Uh, but if he played in the NBA at some point, it wouldn't be a total surprise. And then, the other obvious name is, he's not Australian, but uh, Usman Jang, who played with the New Zealand Breakers, yeah. I, I would expect he goes somewhere in the top 20 picks in this draft. He's six foot nine, six foot ten, something in that range. He can handle the ball. He's a really good passer. It's a skill that I love most about him, just the ability to make plays with the ball in his hand uh, for his teammates. You can see him not just making like preordained reads that the coaches have you know, kind of set him up for with set plays. But he's reading and reacting to the way defenders are playing him as a teenager in a professional league. Uh, It's really, really impressive what he can do with the ball. He's going to have to shoot it. uh, And I think that he needs to just get a little bit more physical, have a willingness to throw around his frame a little bit more. But I, I would expect he plays in the NBA for quite a while, if only because it's hard to find guys that are six foot nine that are this skilled. Oh, Sam, I feel like we're only just scratching the surface. We are out of time, but it's been great to have you on. Next time we speak, I will grill you on your AFL knowledge, which I know is very sound. But at the moment, given that the team you support, Essendon, is about to launch uh, a review into its footy department, we might save the footy chat for another time, my friend. But thank you so much. It's been great chatting to you, and we'll do it again soon. Well, this conversation was much better than the Bombers have done over the course of the last four weeks. So uh, it was good to chat, Sam. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.